Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Live Adam. Live Adam helps businesses grow online by generating more leads. Visit them at liveadam.com to learn more. That's L I V E A T O M.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Rochester Home Infusion. Rochester Home Infusion provides intravenous medications where it's comfortable and convenient for you in your home, hotel, or temporary residence so that you can get back to living your life. Find out more by visiting them at rochesterhomeinfusion.com or by calling them at 507-316-0001. That's 507-316-0001. I'm Amanda Leitner, and welcome to Rochester Rising, where I amplify the stories of Rochester entrepreneurs. Welcome to 2020 and to episode 158 of the podcast this year. So we have some great brand new recorded podcasts that we'll be releasing starting next Wednesday. And you probably noticed we have some new music too going on. So new year, new music, new feel. Um, But before we jump into brand new episodes with some amazing new entrepreneurs this year, I wanted to take a look back at some of the audience favorites from 2019. So I think we have a pretty good sampling here of what Rochester Rising stands for in terms of kind of stage of business, type of business, and stories of entrepreneurship. So I'm really excited to share this with you today with some of our four most popular podcasts from 2019, starting with episode 146 with Kayla Felstead with Swoon Lash and Beauty Lounge, then on to episode 140 with Amy and Linda Lorber of FIG a retail food business, then to episode 153 with Stefan Medancing with the Mayo Clinic Office of Entrepreneurship, and finally wrapping up with episode 156 with Shauna Johnson-Lenore and the Journey Program. So ironically, these favorite podcasts were all from September onward, so showing how much popularity we gain with our podcast um, over time. It's still the most rapidly growing segment of Rochester Rising. So I hope you enjoy these stories today and tune in next week and every week in 2020 to hear more stories of entrepreneurship in Rochester. We are always looking for great Rochester-based entrepreneurs for the podcast. So if you know someone who would be a good fit, let us know. Send us an email of who you want to hear on the show at rochesterrising at gmail.com. We'd like people to nominate other people, not themselves. So those will definitely take preference if you're nominating somebody else. But we want to know who you want to hear from and the types of stories that you want to hear. So let us know. Again, at rochesterrising at gmail.com, or you can shoot us a message on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter profiles. And you can also find this podcast through many different platforms. You obviously found us some way, but you can find us on our website at rochesterrising.org. You can also find this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So you can check us out through any of those methods. All right, so now on to the podcast today, sharing some of the audience favorites from 2019. So we're going to start today talking with new to Rochester business owner, Kayla Felstead, 
from episode 146. So Kayla is not new to Rochester. She's actually a Rochester native, and she's the owner and founder of Swoon Lash and Beauty Lounge, which was a new to Rochester business this summer, and it's located on Broadway, really right across from where we record here in Collider Coworking. So this is a beauty salon that specializes in eyelash extensions, and Kayla opened her first Swoon Lash and Beauty Lounge in Edina. So this is her second location. All right, so now let's listen into a little bit of episode 146 with Kayla Felsted. It's nice to have a close neighbor right across the street. I know, I didn't even realize we were so close. It's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I was just walking down uh, Broadway one day and saw your logo and sign in the door. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, had to find out more about this. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. So, yeah, you know, I always like to start out asking um, business owners, people who come in, you know, what problem did you see um, in the community just in general that caused you to want to start your business? To start this one. So I own one um, up in Edina, up in the cities. And so being from Rochester, I knew a lot of girls down here. My brother has a lot of girlfriends. My sister has a lot of girlfriends. And there was not a place that specialized in just eyelash extension. So, I mean, in the cities, they're, you know, everywhere on every corner where, there's nothing for that in Rochester. And so I, um, was noticing that my clients were traveling every two weeks to come up to me, you know, it's an hour and a half each way. And eventually got to the point where I had like over 20 clients that were driving every two weeks. And I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Like there's gotta be a better way for this. So, um, it had always been my dream to open one up in Rochester where I grew up. And so then I was like, you know what, it's, it's time. I mean, I have 20 clients right here just waiting to get in and, you know, make it more accessible and easy for them to, to get their routinely fills. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of why I decided. Yeah. It's nice when you already have a customer base. So yeah. it's not like so, so huge of a leap. Right. Exactly. Um. <laughs> yeah. And like knowing the community and yeah, it was, it's really great. It was, it was always my dream to expand down here, but not quite this soon. And then when I realized, <laughs> you know, how many people I was like, you know, this is the time because Rochester doesn't have a lash place yet. Definitely not. Um, so, yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about um, Swoon? So what kind of services you provide? Today? Yeah, yeah. So we're a beauty salon that specializes in eyelash extensions. So we're not like your typical hair salon. We strictly do eyelash extensions and we do, um, one of my employees does eyebrow tinting and okay. then waxing. So our main thing is eyelash extensions. We really try to specialize in that. And that's what I think was needed in the community too. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what we focus on. So your one in Edina has been open for longer than the one in Rochester, Yep, right? yep. So it's about a year and a half. And that yeah. one, um, I started, I actually started out of my basement. Okay. And so I like started my little <laughs> side hustle out of the basement. And so um, that's kind of the same thing. It got to be to the point where it was like, I have so many people coming in and out of my house every day where it was like, you know, it's, it's time. It was like time to take the leap. Um, and then all the laws changed. And now it's required even like to have your house as a salon or to be in a licensed okay. salon in order to even do the eyelashes, which makes sense. So it was like that friendly little nudge I needed to like get out and like start something. And so same kind of thing. Like I just realized like, all right, it's time. So that one is like a salon suite. So it's just a little room. It's just me in there. And then, um, then I jumped to a bigger space down here, space down here. Awesome. And this one's been open since midsummer. Yep. Mid June. Yeah. Mid-June. Yep. Okay. Yep. We started pretty slow and then we, you know, all of a sudden like the, second week we were like, oh my gosh, like this can actually, you know, be something. And, you know, it helps being from here and knowing people around yeah. here and people are talking and we, you know, we don't do any sort of like paid advertising by anybody. Um, and that's a personal choice of mine mm-hmm. and I've been offered it, but 
personally, like it's all about word of mouth for me. Um, and I like truly want to know everybody that comes in the door. So it's cool to be like, Oh, how'd you hear about me? Oh, through this person or through this person or on Instagram. So Instagram's been a big, big advertisement too. So started slow for about the first week and then it kind of took off. No, that's awesome. And like we were talking before we started, it's so hard to know when you make the decision. Okay. You go from your basement to, you know, your first location, which is a huge step. And then opening up a second one within a, yeah, basically a year. Yeah, right, right. right. It's <laughs> that's crazy. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It was not in the plan at all. So, <laughs> but that's a good thing too. You know, yeah. you need like room for figuring things out. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, it's like already... the little steps along the way. I'm not trying to take on too much. I'm just you know slowly going the way I think I need to do it. Which is yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, I think that's how you have to do. It. I think that's one of the hardest lessons we all learn. Is yeah. Just listening to yourself. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. Listening to your gut. It's like I know that this. I mean, I couldn't have just jumped from basement to storefront. I would have had no idea, and I would have. I know I would have failed because I don't know what I'm doing. So, yeah. We none of us know what we're. You doing. know, we're all faking it till we make it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, do you find that like your clientele and what they're looking for are a little bit different, or the messaging you put out is different here and in Edina, or is it similar? It's enough? similar. Okay. Um, I mean, with with the cities being so you know saturated with a lash market, like people know what they want, they know the look they want. Where Rochester's a little like you know I've never even heard of this before, or they you know they've seen it you know on people often, but mm-hmm. in the cities, it's like almost everybody has it done. So it's just a norm. But down here, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, do you have eyelashes? And people ask. And so it's it's different. I feel like people aren't as educated down here mm-hmm. as they are in the cities, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the fun part about it is like teaching them about it, teaching them the different styles and everything. So I'd say just like the education wise and just like knowing what it even is to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's probably not surprising. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, so I'm always curious of how you how people find the location uh, for their business. So yeah. how did you land on this space? Were you looking or it just kind of yeah. seemed like a good opportunity? Yeah, so um, I have an employee. Her name is Taya. She's like my assistant, my right-hand man. So she um, came and got her lashes done by me in Edina. She wanted to try it out. She'd been going somewhere else in Edina and she was talking and she was like, yeah, you know, Rochester doesn't really have a place. And I was like, yeah, I know it's always been my dream to open something up, you know, down there. And she's like, you really should. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I should, but I don't have anybody like, who's going to work there. I can't be in two spots at one. And I want to stay in the cities. She's like, well, I'm a licensed esthetician. Could I do it? And I'm like, well, yeah, if you know, if you want, and it was kind of just like thrown out there. And so, um, she was like, I know I'm really, I'm serious. I think, I think I'd be great at it. And like, mm-hmm. I knew of her, I didn't know her super well, but, um, yeah, she, she got home, started looking at spots, sent me like five and it was like, Oh, you know, these are okay, whatever. And then she, but she was kind of like the person looking for me because I'm up in the cities and I don't have time mm-hmm. to just come down and look. So she started looking, found the spot that we have now on Broadway. And she was like, I love it. And I, I always said, I want a brick wall. Like, I think a brick wall would be so cool. And so yeah. she's like, it has a brick wall. And I was like, all right. So that was like two weeks after I met her, I came down um, and we worked with um, Bucky Beeman, who's mm-hmm. great. He's amazing down here. And he was super, super helpful. So he showed me around. I was like, yep, that's it. I want it. And he was like, uh, you want to look at anything <laughs> else? I was like, nope, this is perfect. Well, you know, you know. Exactly. Like, yeah. There's a lot of foot traffic there. There really is. And it was just one of those things I was like, this is too good to be true. Like I just have to trust my gut on this one. And, it, and it's been amazing. Yeah. No, I think that's 
a really valuable thing. It's just trusting mm-hmm. your gut and like knowing when it's saying something that's is bad and when something's good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. Knowing the difference. Yeah. So it's funny. So that space used to be the precursor to, so the, this co-working space, yes. the precursor was over there. Gotcha. And then <laughs> it turned into yoga tribe yeah. and now it's Swoon. So it's yeah. amazing. That's it's so had, cool. It's had many lives. It has. Supporting new businesses. And it, there's so much history in there too. Yeah. You know, talking with the owners who live above there, like they, they know so much about the the spot and like preserving it and keeping like it's, mm-hmm. you know, charm to it, which is really cool. And I, I really like that about them. Yeah. There really aren't that many brick buildings in Rochester no, anymore besides no. downtown. Yeah. It's so <laughs> cool. I love it. Yeah. So it's definitely nice to, uh, yeah. Be an old space yeah. and have that, that feeling. That little, uh, yeah. And like the cozy feel, like I want it to feel like a lounge and I think that brick wall really just kind of ties everything together. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think entrepreneurship, like it's challenging, like we were talking yeah. about, and you have to be really wanting to do it. So what's your passion for bringing um, this service, for running this type of business in two locations? In two locations. I, you know, it, it kind of just started as like something I was doing for fun up in the cities and like kind of just like a side gig. I mean, I don't have a business degree. I have an associate's degree that's just in liberal arts. So it's, I don't have the necessary education typically that most people would think like, okay, you need a business degree. You need a master's to start a business, right? <laughs> most of us do not. Right. <laughs> but like that, that's just kind of what society I think yeah tells you. Um, so I just, you know, I kind of started as like, this is just some side thing. And then when I moved into the suite, it was like, people were like, Oh yeah. So like you run a business. And I'm like, I mean, like kind of, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it a business. And then once I got busier and, you know, I created like a brand, it was like, it, it just like made sense. And then knowing Rochester and loving Rochester and bringing something to the place that built me was like my ultimate goal. And that's ultimately what I wanted. Um, and I'm, I'm good with these two locations. So it's like, I don't want to go anything no else. More. I'm like, I love the cities. I love Rochester. We're good. Mm-hmm. You never know. But you never yeah, know. No, yeah, I'll say that now. No, I think that's, uh, that's yeah, incredible success to do that yeah. much in a year and a half. Right, so I right. Give you a lot of credit. Yeah. For, you know, and the thing is like, no one, like there are, I don't know, in my opinion and people who I talk to, almost nobody has an actual business degree. Right, right. I think it's so much about like the hustle and the work you put into it that, you know, that's, it's kind of like about the heart. Well, there's, yeah. And there's so much you can learn from like, well, like you're talking about Instagram and new stages of marketing. Like who's going to teach you that in business business school? school. Exactly. Yeah. You got to stay up to date on the latest stuff and that's important. Yeah. Between podcasts and, you know, just stuff out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, or I don't listen to it, but get the social media, media examiner email every week. Okay. And it's just, I don't know. It's really useful. Like it has like little Instagram tips and Facebook tips. Right. Cause that's ultimately free advertising for everybody, which is the best. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) If you you target the the audience well. Yeah. Especially for very visual businesses, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's like a a slam dunk. Why not do it? It really (laughs) is. Yeah. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit and head over to episode 140 with Amy and Linda Lorber of FIG. This is also a new to Rochester business in 2019. Amy and Linda are a mother and daughter team. They were the team behind Gardener, which Amy will talk a little bit about in the podcast today. And FIG is a retail space that just opened on 16th Street Southwest that hosts cooking classes. It stocks other local food products and is a general celebration of food. All right, so now let's listen into a little bit of episode 140 with Amy and Linda Lorber of Fig. 
Yeah, so I wanted to ask you just to kind of start off this whole thing. So, you know, before you started Gardener, before you started Fig, um, what was your experience with entrepreneurship? Was this ever something you thought you would ever be doing? Or was it just like you hit a point in developing these ideas and that was just the next natural step? Well, I had lived in Nashville for 14 years and I had worked in a law office and doing some HR jobs, but then my sister and I actually started a part-time job um, with a jam company. And so that was kind of my first foray into entrepreneurship and craft food industry. And so I loved it immediately. It's really, it was very rewarding to get to create something, which was what I was kind of missing in my other jobs. And so when I moved to, to Minnesota, you know, I knew that that was something that I was passionate about. I'd started learning about all these small food businesses and it was just really <laughs> exciting for me. So I talked mom into <laughs> starting a business here. Um, I had grown up with a big garden. Mom was always preserving, doing jams and soups and, um, you know, pickles and all that kind of stuff <laughs> when we were little. And so it was something that was very, you know, natural to me to be doing. And so we decided that we would start out by just joining the Rochester Farmer's Market. And so in Minnesota, there's a cottage food law, you know, that you can use so that you can just sell at the market. But we immediately knew that we wanted to be able to wholesale to other businesses and sell our product. So we actually started getting our licensing through the state immediately, you know, when we started. Um, and so that's, I mean, that was why we kind of, <laughs> I don't know how we got started in that. Yeah. And I think it's, I find it interesting, and myself included, I, I think it's super common for people, you know, they grew up around these things, you know, they had yeah. these passions when they were younger, and then, you know, it might take you a while, but you kind of come back to them in the end. Um, yeah, it's and, very true. <laughs> and run with it. I don't know why, but yeah, I think, yeah. you know, as a core, we don't change that much as people, you know? Yeah, it's very true. No, and they feel, I mean, it feels good, right? It's kind of a safe and happy place. There's good memories attached to that. It's comforting. And so, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I was really drawn to it. So I'll start by asking you about Gardener because that's where you started. So sure. for people who might not know about it, um, kind of what what is that, yeah. that business? Yeah. So we grow organic herbs and uh, some produce. We also source things from other local farmers, and we make several different products. We've got tea blends, um, tea sans, spices syrups that you can use um, either like for cocktail syrups or just for sweetening up, you know, beverages and uh, desserts and cheese plates and stuff. And then we've got a line of shrubs, which are drinking vinegars. So that's kind of our more unusual product, I guess. And so that's, uh, it's got the tang from the vinegar, the sweetness of the fruit, and you can use that uh, to flavor up water. You can use it again in uh, cocktails and drinks. You can whisk it with olive oil and use it as a vinaigrette. And then uh, for fun in the winter, we've been doing drinking chocolates and marshmallows. So that's kind of our product line. Fun. So right now people mainly can get it at um, the farmer's market and then can they order it through your website as yeah, well? Yeah, through they... our website. It's also um, in town here. You can get it at the co-op, at Dwell, at Forager. And so uh, there are some local places. Uh, 
Le Petite Cafe. Okay. She brews all of our teas, and um, we've had some different restaurants in town use our syrups and shrubs for cocktails and stuff, too. Yeah, the Cottage Food Act is, food act is certainly a really great thing for entrepreneurs. I don't know if it... The only thing I know about it is how it exists in Minnesota. I don't know if it sure. exists in other states, yeah. but it seems really useful for a lot of a lot of businesses when, you know, you it's really hard to go all in and you have to kind of test your market first. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, I mean, so we would, we could operate under it in Tennessee. It was actually a bit less restrictive than Minnesota's okay. whereby they'll allow you to wholesale some product, you know, there as a, up to like $250,000 here, you're not allowed to do that at all. So they, you know, and it, it is different from state to state. And so that's one of the challenges too, in starting a food business is just learning the rules. Yeah. <laughs> and there are lots of them. <laughs> yeah. I think the food and beverage market has nothing to mess around with, right. with not yeah. following the yeah, rules. Yeah, exactly. And I'll get shut down really fast. <laughs> I mean, anything really, anything, yeah. but yeah, that's, right. that's not a good thing to mess with. <laughs> right. So you grew uh, Gardener for eight years, right? As a, as a family business about? Well, no, actually we've just been open for three years. Three years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So over those three years, how did you kind of grow it? And then how did you know recently now it was time to sure. kind of take the next step and add something else to, to your, yeah. I, I don't know, entrepreneurial <laughs> well, repertoire, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so we started, um, at the farmer's market, we, you know, we self-funded, you know, this project and it was just a slow kind of natural growth. And we started adding on, uh, the other wholesale accounts, selling product online and, uh, kind of just growing organically that way. Um, and then we started getting pretty darn busy. And one of our biggest problems, honestly, was just finding commercial kitchen space. Mm-hmm. So that's a challenge in town here for a lot of other small food businesses is just, you know, that those spaces are, <laughs> some of them are like secret. People do not want to share this, you know, because it's, it's hard to find. And we had rented space here in town And that was one of our biggest motivators was just finding a commercial kitchen so that we didn't have to tote all of our things in and out. And we could kind of just have a space where we could be set up and that we'd have more hours to produce product. Mm -hmm. And so we initially were looking at just, um, you know, any building that had a kitchen in it, you know, and wanting to rent that and just make it a space for garden air. But we... Uh, we're working with the Small Business Development Center and uh, trying to put together just you know a business plan and looking at numbers. And it's a really tough thing to do to just have a commercial kitchen space and make those numbers work. So our business advisor, uh, Rick Enderley, he actually helped us come up with a kind of a different scenario where we had a retail component. And so that's kind of how fig came about and then has grown into this whole new concept that we're super excited about so that we can have a kitchen space, make our garden air products, sell those. But now we're adding this component uh, that'll include cooking classes and other local businesses and all of these really talented makers that we've met along our journey thus far and be able to kind of celebrate food here in, in town. 
Yeah. As a lover of food and baking, I'm super excited. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Fig is going to be on 16th Street um, Southwest by Trader Joe's there in in Terra Loco. So yeah, when people go there, what what should they expect from an experience? What do you want them to get out of it? Sure. Well, we're, you know, we started out calling it Fig um, for people who love food. And truly that's kind of the basis for the project. It's... um, for people that are interested in learning about food, tasting new foods, you know, that maybe are a little bit timid about exploring different, you know, global cuisines or even just, you know, different local makers, this gives them a safe place to do that. Um, we plan on having product line that starts at kind of a kitchen garden, you know, through a tabletop. And so having um, different ways to look at how to prepare food, how to enjoy food. So, you know, we don't want people to feel like they have to be great chefs to come there. It's certainly not the case. If you just, if you like to eat, this will hopefully be a good place for you to visit. And I think that's certainly a gap and it might just be me not being aware of um, cooking classes here or just things that you can go. But, you know, we were talking about baking um, before and I... I've been trying to learn how to do things like cake decorating. And you don't realize, like, it looks so easy. Everyone makes it look easy. And then you try, and it's like, oh, my goodness, this looks, this is like a hot mess. Like, then that's an understatement. Like, you know, and it's just, it's not something that you want to watch. I mean, you can watch videos, but it's so much easier to go and have a real person, like, hands-on. And in my, you know whatever, 15-minute Google search of Rochester, (laughs) I never really found very much. Yeah. I mean, there are some things, um, but like um, Tiffany with um, Choo Choo Kachoo, you know, she does, you know, cooking classes, but beyond that, I didn't really see that She's going to be a big part of our project. Yeah. So we're excited to get to work with her. We've got, um, she's going to be teaching all sorts of different, uh, Asian food classes, but then she also is, you know, a great baker and lover of all types of food. And so, um, we're also working with, uh, Vincenzo and Cheryl Ness. They have a his is called Vin Chef Cooking, and she's okay. got love in a Tuscan kitchen, so we're going to have Italian. I'm going to love that. Yeah, right? So they, she <laughs> does Italian baking, so yes, oh, so you're so in. so I need to go, so then I won't have jello panna cotta and <laughs> exactly. other nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward. That'll be fun. Yeah, and there's just, we have found a true wealth of knowledge here in town, right? We've got this beautiful kind of melting pot of people from all over the world, and so what a great opportunity to get to learn how to make authentic dishes from all of these different places. And we're we're excited to learn it. We're excited to get to share it with people. I think it's going to be a really, you know, fun way to learn about different cultures and their food. So now we're going to switch gears completely and hop over to episode 153 with Stefan Medansing. He's a research and teaching fellow at the Mayo Clinic Office of Entrepreneurship. The Mayo Clinic Office of Entrepreneurship empowers and supports aspiring entrepreneurs within Mayo Clinic and hopes hosts a biannual business life science pitch competition. All right, so now let's listen into a little bit of episode 153 with Stefan Medansing. I'll start by asking you, what is the Office of Entrepreneurship? Because I don't think many people in the community really know too much about it. Sure. So the Office of Entrepreneurship is a 
office at Mayo with the goal of empowering and supporting aspiring entrepreneurs within the Mayo Clinic community. So our goal is to help build this culture of innovation and entrepreneurship um, through education programs, through grant writing supports, through community events, primarily the Walleye Tank, which we'll be talking about a little bit more today. Yeah, and I think that education piece is so important um, because, well, I just recently became, well, it is new, so I shouldn't say I was late behind the behind the wheel, but um, Kauffman Foundation just put out a new um, business plan for, um, I guess, America. <laughs> um, it's called Start, oh, I'll have to look it up, Start Us Up or something. But anyway, it's more, it has four pillars of the way that at a legislative level and a community level, we should be thinking about entrepreneurship. Um, you know, a lot of the times, a lot of, um, and we won't get political, but a lot of things are geared towards more bigger businesses. So how do you support um, businesses that are just starting up, hence the name, start us up. But anyway, a lot of it's focused around education because if you don't know the proper um, tools, how do you build something that's sustainable and successful? So, I mean, that's a big step. Um, internally to Mayo and, you know, based on Lean Startup, which is a huge push in the state of Minnesota, too, to really adopt that technique. Yeah, the, the Lean Startup technique, which is what we really focus on from an education point of view, for me, I mean, it's not perfect, but it, it really helped the first time that I was introduced to it and the second time I was introduced to it and the third time I was introduced to it changed and lit a light bulb for me about how to apply this, like, scientific, rigorous training that I had as a scientist and as an engineer to solving problems problems from a business point of view that just didn't make sense to me until it was pointed out in that framework. And it provides, I think, the set of tools that that allow for communication to occur between people from different backgrounds that are, whether they be on the business side, on the entrepreneurial side, or on the science and technology development side, to, to speak the same language and try to understand problems from multiple perspectives. I think it's a really helpful tool, and that's why we really focus on it in the education that we provide. Yeah. No, I really enjoy it, too. As a scientist, you know, having a business hypothesis going out and testing it, otherwise you're building a product in a vacuum for... <laughs> Who knows who? Absolutely. <laughs> so it's a good technique or a good yeah tool set to have. Um, so the Office of Entrepreneurship has roles internal to Mayo and then in the community as well. So can you talk a little bit about the different kind of products and services on both those levels? Yeah. So primarily internally, we focus on those education pieces, like I mentioned. And so um, we have one class that we've run a series of time, which is a case studies and entrepreneurship class, and it's run through CCATS. Um, the, we have a series of other classes that are being built and being offered throughout the throughout the next uh, upcoming year, as well as an upcoming certificate program and master's program in innovation and entrepreneurship, which will be starting up later in 2020, which we're really excited about. So we're working to build some more course material about that. Um, also internally, we provide uh, support for grant writing. We su provide support for um, accessing other resources along the inside the Mayo ecosystem and engaging closely with the Office of Translation and Practice and Mayo Clinic Ventures to help promote the idea of innovation and, and aspirations of entrepreneurship to support the, the members of our community that might be interested in taking on those challenges. The next things we do outside of, of the Mayo sphere technically is to try to really, again, reinforce and promote that culture of entrepreneurship in the greater Rochester area. And the primary way we do that is through the pitch competitions that are held biannually with the University of Minnesota and are 
sponsored very strongly by the Collider Foundation, which is fantastic. We love to have them around and supporting us throughout the years. And uh, this year, we're happy to announce Medical Alley as another sponsor, which is very has been great and really helping us to broaden our, our reach and access in the greater Minnesota ecosystem. So we're very excited about that and it is coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah. I think that whole like ecosystem building is so important. So it's great to see like the office of entrepreneurship playing a role in the community. Um, you know, cause we can't support our entrepreneurs alone. <laughs> yeah. And so we're trying to, and I kind of have this aspiration of bringing in speakers and, and groups from, um, around the Minnesota area on a semi-regular basis. We were successful in bringing Mary Grove from, uh, Revolution Ventures and Rise of the Rest earlier in October to do a little bit of a fireside chat and talk about some of the work that they're doing. And we're excited to have Deed represented to, uh, talk a lot about Launch MN, which is coming yeah. up and that's very exciting. So Nina Mulgaard will be at the walleye tank to talk a little bit about oh, that, which is. is great. Yeah, that's awesome. exciting. Yeah, I'm just, well, tomorrow I'm doing a podcast or I need to record it today about launch and then um, I heard Neela talk on, well, last week and uh, they're actually coming out. Well, this will air after that one. But anyway, there's two pots of money out right now, the innovation yeah. grants, which I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of interest internally for that, which there should be because there's an SBIRSTTR match for phase yep, two. Yep. Um, and yeah, just the whole, there's a money for ecosystem building, which has never, to our knowledge, been recognized yeah. in the state as, and it's not even for, it's for like doing the work that you're already doing. It's not for my understanding, like expanded efforts, like you're already doing it. It's not for someone to get into it, which I think is fantastic. It's really um, exciting. Yeah. I think that's, that's going to be a great initiative and yeah. we're looking forward to seeing what kind of comes from it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited and we have, you know, a lot of interest in the area. We, you know, we have Xavier Fergola on the board as well as Christine Beach from the area. So it's really exciting. Um, you started in this role during the summer, right? <laughs> Just a few months ago. No, maybe not. Maybe I mean, Kind of, not technically. It depends who's listening. <laughs> so it's been like, it's been, no, that's not true. It's been like... October 1 was October. when I started, yeah. That's right. Okay. So it's really been like six weeks. <laughs> it's been a busy six weeks, but it's been really good. It's, uh, I think I've been familiar with the ecosystem and I mean, you and I have known each other for a little while as well. And so it's not been a complete culture shock to me, but it has been busy and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I've been enjoying it. So what's your really passion for this, for this role for entrepreneurs and what do you want to accomplish during your time with the OE? Like what oh, would be a, a, a win question. for you at the other end? And I know that's a hard thing to answer, but. <laughs> yeah, I think a, a big part of it for me is kind of the realization I've had over the last few years being a, a staff scientist and a, a researcher is that I'm most motivated when I'm around exciting new ideas, and that's what I really love. And so I've been looking for ways to start steering my career towards a path that allows me to engage in innovation and entrepreneurship more effectively, and this was a perfect fit for me at the time. Um, I, I come from a, a background and, and working in startups prior to coming to Mayo and, and I love it. And it's, it's when I'm at my most passionate and excited uh, about the science and the work that we're doing. So this has been a great opportunity and I'm really excited about trying to help push forward, not just the educational tools that we're using at Mayo, because there are just these phenomenal scientists and engineers and innovators in the ecosystem, but also to better get embedded in a, a local ecosystem like I was in, in the last city that I lived in. And it's just, it's exciting. It's, it's the best way to describe it. I really love it. Yeah, no, I, I agree 
agree with that. It's best just to jump in. And you've been you've been out to a lot of stuff in the the community, which is great. That's the only way, like you said, to learn about it. Get out and <laughs> get outside and the building, right? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, get outside and explore. Um, okay, so we wanted to talk about Walleye Tank, the yes. Office of Entrepreneurship's Life Science Business Pitch Competition. Um, I think it's in. Is this the eighth walleye tank? I, I want to say seventh. Is it the seventh? I think it's seven. I thought I wanted to say that the Rochester ones were the odd numbers, and the, okay, the that could Minnesota be. ones are the even numbers. Well, but it's been I think since twenty sixteen, so biannually. So whatever that ends up, whatever being. that ends up being, <laughs> it's seven or eight, somewhere between six and eight. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, so. You know, what is walleye tank for people who I'm assuming most people know what it is, but maybe yep. some people don't. I think I think you started off perfectly. It is a life science it's a it's a pitch competition with a life science lean. It's typically we are looking for companies that are in the life sciences realm, but not exclusively necessarily. Um, it is a Y Combinator style pitch competition with three categories catering to the whole um range of, of startups in terms of development. So we have very early stage, basically just conceptual startup companies, all the way to professional post-revenue companies pitching their ideas to a community of, of investors, entrepreneurs, scientists, researchers uh, in the Rochester area and and really all over Minnesota. So we've been pretty successful in bringing people in from across Minneapolis and, and the northern parts of the state as well to, to participate and or pitch. Um, I think we may actually have a couple people from outside of Minnesota pitch this year as well, which we're looking forward to. That'll be exciting. Um, and this year we're offering cash prizes for each of the groups. There's small nominal cash prizes really to kind of help boost the next small ask for each of these groups. Um, and of course, the ongoing prize for participation and success in the walleye tank is has always been preferred entry to the Minnesota Cup, which uh, really is a, a big step ahead for lots of these, these small startup companies. And finally, we're going to wrap up listening into a little bit of episode 156 with Chicago native and Rochester resident Nishana Johnson-Lenore. Lashana launched the Journey program in Rochester, which is an eight-week life skills program for teens. So now listen into a little bit of episode 156 with Nishana. I always like to ask, especially people who aren't from Rochester, <laughs> which is most people actually on the podcast, <laughs> um, you know, how did you originally get to Rochester and how long have you been here? So I originally came to Rochester about seven years ago from uh, Chicago, Illinois, and I got here in a car with my cat and my plant and my twins in the front seat and my, in the back of my car was full of my clothing. And um, I came here just for a better environment for my children. And um, that's how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like... A lot of people's story, or my story at least, was I expected to be here for like two months, and now it's been like 12 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's similar to your story, if it was going to be like seven weeks and it's seven years now. Yeah. Um, when I first got here, um, it was more so I'm going to go to a safer environment because I have family, lots of family that live here. And um, during the time that I, I came here from Chicago, 
the violence was was starting to increase. It wasn't as bad as it is now, but the violence um, was definitely increasing. And my kids went to private school, which was kind of expensive. And um, at the time, the Rochester Public Schools was a very good environment for kids. So um, I just figured it was time for a change. And we've been here seven years now. Awesome. We're just in time today for the snow and whatever other nonsense is going on out there today. <laughs> yep. It's a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of nonsense. Um, so we wanted to talk about Journey, the nonprofit um, that you started and have been running here. So I'll start by asking you first, what need did you see um, here in Rochester for something like this? Wow. So I saw a need for the youth, especially the minority youth in the community, um, to have some form of inclusion. Um, A lot of the youth that were here were either involved, if you were like a young man, you were involved in like basketball, but what about those who don't play basketball? They didn't, there was pretty much nothing for them to do. And then the young ladies who were not cheerleaders, um, because when I first moved here, community education wasn't really big on cheerleading. Um, So I just didn't think that there was any programming available to youth in the community who were not into sports. And I wanted to be able to provide programming for those youth as well. Um, I think that a lot of our youth, not just in the Rochester community, but all over the world, I believe that they lack direction and they lack mentorship um, and they lack a lot of skills that are necessary for their development and their growth. And I think that it means a lot to me to be able to provide some of this stuff because growing up in foster care, I had that support and that's what helped me help to mold me into the woman I am today. And um, so when I see youth who don't have that same support that I received growing up in foster care, it just scares me and it just makes me want to do something about it. Yeah, mentorship is so important. And I think, you know, that's such a special message, you know, recognizing the need to to give back and pass along, you know, what we received. Um, yeah, because everybody doesn't have it. And that's, Absolutely. yeah. An unfortunate reality. Um, so you started Journey a few years ago. I thought I had the year written down, but apparently I do not. <laughs> um, but do you want to talk more about the specifics of Journey and kind of what it offers? Because um, you have an eight-week program um, yes. of different educational offerings, right? Yes, absolutely. So um, the Journey program, I started the Journey program back in 2011 um, here in Rochester, Minnesota at the Boys and Girls Club when the Boys and Girls Club was on the north end of town um, where Working out of the the North Building, um, it's like right next door to it's. I believe it's called the Gage East Building um, <clears throat> at that time, and that journey program it kind of originated from a award that I created back in Chicago called the YLA Award, which is a big thing. If you Google You Can Chicago and their YLA Award, I created that when I was 11 years old. Um, And it's 20 years down the road as of June this past year, and it's still doing remarkable things. And I want to do something like that here in Rochester just to kind of keep the the torch lit. Um, And I started as a YDP to pay off a non-insurance pay ticket, mm-hmm. and that turned into me 
becoming a youth development professional for the Boys and Girls Club. And then quickly I became the the teen director there where I ran the journey program. And the journey program is a life skills program for teenage youth. And like you said, it's an eight-week program where we cover different topics in our workshops as far as getting to know me, relations and relationships, coping skills, importance of education, money management, law and legal rights, and um, where where are we going? Who am I is our last workshop, which identifies, the, the youth will identify with who they are and explain to others who are involved in the program with what they've learned and where they where they intend to go. And um, the purpose of the program is to connect them with a lifelong mentor. Which again, I think is so important. Having that mentor, having this this framework, really kind of valuable information that you're learning, especially who you are as a person, which a lot of us get into adulthood and we don't know who we are as a person. So yeah, being able to think through that um, really during very formative years is really, really important. When you're looking back on on this program, you know, um, and now you're moving into kind of your next next group of, of students, um, what's a huge win for you? So what do you want to accomplish um, each time you interact with, with the kids? Oh, man. So that's, that's a very exciting question for me. Um, every group of... Um, teens that I work with, I learned something different from all of them. And I uncover different abilities and talents that I have for myself. Um, One of the youth that was in my program back in 2012 at the Boys and Girls Club, her name was Rosalind Moore. And um, she amazes me every time I hear from her. She received the key to the city of Rochester, and she's currently a student, a a junior at the, um, I'm sorry, she's a sophomore at the University of Minnesota on a scholarship. Um, and she won Youth of the Year through the Boys and Girls Club as well. And she's an alumni of the Journey program. And um, the best thing about working with these youth is just seeing how they blossom after being a part of the program. Um, many of them go on to do really great things and um, just just being able to see that the program is actually working is just amazing to me, being able to see them create futures for themselves. I gave them the skills, but they actually took the initiative to um, utilize that information and let it work for them. So that, that amazes me every time I see the youth and the program building on that foundation that I helped them to create while we were in these workshops. So every time I see one of the alumni from the program at work or um, in school or they're driving, um, you know, with a valid license, that just makes me proud just because of the fact that they're doing things in a positive way, which is great because they always have the option to go down the, the wrong road and they chose the right path. So that makes me happy. Yeah. No, it's so, so hard when, you know, you put so much work into these programs. It's so nice to see that someone appreciates it and, you know, your, your hard work, because it's a lot, it's a lot of blood, sweat and tears, right? And it is a lot of what we're doing. And I know you have a real strong passion to do this um, and you're the exact right person to do it. So you have an information session coming up soon, right? Yes. For the next program. Um, So do you want to talk a little bit about that and um, 
how people can find more information and what you're looking for. Absolutely. So we have an information session coming up. It's going to be December 20th. And to get the time and date, all the specifics on um, this event, you can follow our Instagram page. It's at I am journey and journey is spelled with a J O U R N I E. Um, so that information, more information can be found on our Instagram, um, page sometime later on this week as we lock in a location and time. Um, but yeah, at this event, uh, the youth will get an opportunity to have an open panel where they can discuss some of the, the, um, problems that they're facing in school and within the community. And they're going to give their opinions on what they think, um, the community can do what they can do as students to try and improve some of these issues and barriers that's causing them to not be as successful. Um, some of these things being, um, unhealthy environments at school Mm -hmm. and unhealthy environments at home. And, um, hopefully we can get some of the city officials together to attend this teen summit, to be able to hear the thoughts of some of our youth and their concerns and see what we can do collectively as a community to make sure that our kids have, are going to school in safe environments and that most importantly, that their voices are being heard. And that's my biggest concern, making sure I create a platform for them to be heard if they have concerns. Thanks for joining me for this look back at some of the audience favorites podcasts from 2019. If this piqued your interest and you want to listen to more of these for the first time or want to go back and listen into the full podcast again, you can find these full episodes on our website at rochesterrising.org. Again, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the majority of our podcasts are on YouTube as well. So you can check out the full stories at any of these locations. For more stories of entrepreneurship and innovation, you can certainly head over to our website at rochesterrising.org and find a ton more of podcast, article, and video content. So you can check us out there as well. That's a wrap for our first podcast of 2020. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen into podcast content and be sure to rate us so that other people can find us. We'll see you here again next week with a brand new episode.